that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lindries and Stephen Means. This is a big one. This is important. It's recruiting Austin Severeld in the house, committed to Ohio State on Wednesday afternoon. Stephen Means was there. Stephen Means wrote about it. Stephen Means talked to Austin. And we are in a very important and at least recently rare window in Ohio State offensive line recruiting, Stephen. This is the third in-state offensive lineman already locked up in the 2023 recruiting class for the Ohio State Buckeyes. According to the 247 Sports, all three of these guys are among the top seven overall prospects in the state of Ohio. Luke Montgomery is number one. He's nationally number 43. Joshua Padilla is number three in the state. He's nationally number 136. And Austin... Sarabeld is number seven in the state, number 351 overall. They are the top three offensive linemen in the state of Ohio, Stephen, and now they are all committed to Ohio State. How big of a deal is this? It's a pretty big deal. It's actually the first time since 2015 that they've done so. And, you know, when Austin got asked yesterday about that idea, he was like, yeah, that's kind of the goal here where we want the 2014 national championship team that had five starters on the offensive line who were all from Ohio. They want to repeat something like that on the way to a national championship, but it's, it's important that they got all three of them, but it's important that they got all three of them. And we're still in the first week of May because now, you know, this is supposed to be a very big cycle for offensive line for Justin Fry, as we know, and now the focus can be on these national targets around the country. And now everybody at home is thinking like, yeah, the, f- the starting five offensive linemen for the 2014 National Championship game, they were all from Ohio. I'm a big Ohio State fan. I can name all of them, right? You guys can, right? You guys can, right? Right <laughs> on top of your head, you guys, all you have them all locked down right now? Are you locked, right? Left tackle, Taylor Decker, right? You got that. We know you got that. How about center? You got the center, right? Jacoby Bourne. You guys, of course, you have the center. Guards, you got the guards? Pat Elfline and Billy Price, they got those, right? You got them locked in. Mm-hmm. And the right tackle, you guys, of course, you Solon's own, Daryl Baldwin, right? You guys are all good on that. I know you are. Come on. Pat yourself on the back. It's eight years ago, right? It's okay. A lot of stuff's happened in eight years. So if you forgot somebody, it's okay. But that would be a big deal. It actually reminds me a little bit, Stephen, of... The Jared Sullinger, Aaron Kraft, Dallas Lauderdale, William mm-hmm. Buford, John Diebler, Ohio State basketball team, David Lighty. And sometimes, not sometimes, a decent amount of the time at a place like Ohio State. Man, again, the lens, the lens that Ohio State provides us to talk about college sports. Ohio has good athletes. They don't have a basket full of great athletes all the time in every class, but sometimes they do. So if you're in Georgia or Florida or Texas or California, you know, and let's talk football again now, you know you've got a lot of guys in your backyard if you're a college there. You've got a lot of guys in your backyard that if you can get them, you can really start to fill your recruiting class. That's not always the case in Ohio, and especially positionally. It's not always the case. Steven, 
it is really big for them to go get these three offensive linemen early because when you look at the recent history, there haven't always been three in-state offensive linemen of this quality of the Montgomery, Padilla, Saraveld quality for Ohio State to go get, which makes going to get them even more of an imperative when they are there. Ohio is an interesting state, especially when you're talking about line of scrimmage positions where, as you said, it's not always there. So whenever you've got an elite guy in your backyard, Ohio State has to lock them down because it doesn't happen every cycle. We saw it with the Jack Sawyer in 2021. We saw it with Zach Harrison in 2019. We saw it with C.J. Hicks at linebacker in 2022. Obviously, there's not necessarily a five-star since Sonny Styles reclassified, but it's offensive linemen in the cycle, and it just so happens to be coming at a time when, well, Ohio State might have one of the best offensive lines in the country – as long as nobody gets hurt. And so they actually need to replenish that position. But that's what it, with a, it's why it was so important when Ryan Day took this job that he emphasized Ohio the way he did is when you're in situations like you are this cycle where you absolutely need a position and now it's in your backyard, you're able to lock guys down with still seven months until signing day. Even if with at least two of them, it took a little longer than you expected. And you have to give Justin Fry credit for jumping yes. in and look at the work they're already doing here. But one of the things you also have to factor in is there wasn't necessarily three guys like this for Greg Sudrawa to just go get mm-hmm. right away. Maybe now, maybe there was, and we're going to go through that. But you were there. Let's dig in on Austin a little bit first. This Lakota East or West? East. Lakota East. You were there for the commitment ceremony. Who were the other contenders for him? Who did it really? Who were the hats? What did he have? Hats on the table? What did he have? Yeah, little on table. NFTs on the table? It was hats on the table. Who were the other hats on the table? <laughs> There's definitely going to be a recruit at some point in this cycle who's going to have NFTs, and it's going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> that just threw me off. Ohio State, Alabama, and Notre Dame. That's okay. what this battle came down to. What was that battle like? How would you describe that? How did he describe that? Was this a slam dunk for the hometown Buckeyes the whole time? It's, I mean, you know, whenever Alabama comes in and gets mm-hmm. really puts in some work on Ohio guy, you know, I think it's worth noting. I was going to say it's worth freaking out about. We at times have freaked out about it because it's just so interesting. It's not exactly like the Redcoats are coming, but it's sort of like, well, no, it's the coming. Crimson Coats are coming. The, the Crimson Coats <laughs> are coming. The Crimson Coats. And, and, uh, and Mark Pantoni is the Paul Revere riding his yeah. horse through the state of Ohio. The Crimson Coats are coming. So listen, Alabama can go anywhere. They don't always come to Ohio, but when they do, you have to pay attention. But it's not like they've yanked great players that Ohio State wants out of Ohio on a regular basis, right? They wanted Marshawn Lattimore and it didn't work. So every now and then, every now, trade to Priest, they got trade to Priest, like every now and then. So Ohio State in Ohio doesn't have to be afraid of Alabama. Not at all. But it's still Alabama. So how did Alabama and then Notre Dame, we know the Notre Dame deal. A lot of Ohio ties, starting with Marcus Freeman, continuing with Al Washington and a bunch of other people. How how real how real do you think were Alabama and Notre Dame making these pushes? Well, he took a visit to Alabama last November, so that's pretty big. Here's the deal. I don't care what their ranking is. If a kid from Ohio gets an Alabama offer, they're good. That's a great way to look at this. They're good. They're really good because that means Saban wants them. 
And so yeah, that was real. Obviously, the Notre Dame thing was a fight, but I, he took a visit to Alabama during the season back in November. And I won't say this is like a slam dunk for Ohio State, um, but it is a really good pickup and an impressive get, pickup at a time when you really weren't sure because it, it's kind of on the same lines as Luke Montgomery, just the timeline's a little bit longer. Um, you always kind of put him in the class. The re- moment the moment he got hired, the way everybody does with top 100, with, not top 100, but just top Ohio kids, They always, mm-hmm. as soon as they get an Ohio State offer, everybody just says, oh, they're going to Ohio State. And then when they don't pop on it imi- immediately, basically within the first three months of the offer, you start to get a little worried and go, okay, um, maybe this isn't an Ohio State fit or something like that. And usually it's because they end up at some other Midwest school, like like a Notre Dame um, or maybe even like Kentucky or stuff like that. You don't necessarily see the SEC getting involved too often unless it's a guy like Devontae Smith in the 2021 class with but cousin K- is Sean Alexander. Kentucky is the SEC, but it's Midwest. Yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. What I mean. we know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, you get a little worried. And then when Alabama starts popping up, then you get even more worried because you're thinking, well, maybe this kid might be like a top 200, top 100 kid who's still like a little bit of a late bloomer. And so now he's a national pro- project who's going to a national product who's just going to get swept up in you know, the big boy schools, the way we've seen with Jackson Carmen ending up at Clemson. And I've, so Justin Fry had his work cut out a little bit for him. So you do have to applaud him for keeping him in state because the Alabama interest was real. And so was the Notre Dame interest. So when you talk about expand a little bit more on what Sarah Bell was talking about with this desire to build an in-state wall mm-hmm. for the next Ohio State quarterback, that seemed to really matter to him. It did. He's got a really good relationship with Luke Montgomery and Josh Padilla. And that idea of, I mean, we hear it all the time, you know, staying home and having that pride in your, in your hometown school is always a thing that people talk about, but it was a combination of the relationship he built with Justin Fry, where it's like, he felt, he said, Justin Fry was the only one that was like, I really want to coach you. Like, it's about you. It's not just about adding you to, you know, what we already have going on here. But then also, yeah, you are selling that to these in-state kids, this idea of like, come win a national championship for the team that's in your backyard. Mm-hmm. How much better would that feel than if you went down to Alabama or you went out to Indiana and South Bend and won a championship? here? How much more pride could you put into that? And so when you get all the kids on board thinking like that, I mean, it's it's cool, but you don't think about it that way. You just think of, oh, I'm a kid from Ohio and I want to play for Ohio State. It's a little different when it gets put in the pr- perspective of come win a national championship here. Those guys, those kids who did that in 2014, they're loved around the cities they're from forever. So come do that. So let's let's project a little bit now with these three offensive linemen. It's fair to think of them as a trio. They want to be a trio. They are a trio. This is a huge start to this 2023 recruiting class with these three guys. We we know that you would expect that Ohio State potentially could lose three starters off this offensive line after the 2022 season if Paris Johnson has the season a lot of people expect. The early 2023 mock drafts are popping up. We did our draft before the 2022 draft even happened, projecting 2023. But you'll see Paris Johnson in first rounds of various mock drafts. So we all know the talent that's there as a five-star recruit. Dewan John, Dewan Jones has certainly gone after this year. Matthew Jones has gone after this year. So... Three starting spots potentially open in 2023. Again, it's not a world where you see a ton of true freshman offensive linemen starting, but there it might be a, just kind of an interesting little spot for some opportunity here because, Stephen, as you were saying, we don't exactly know who the second-team offensive line is going to be in 2022. Let's start with this. Well, let's start with this positionally. When you think about Luke Montgomery, Joshua Padilla, and Austin Saraveld, 
Where do you, do you think they project positionally at Ohio State? Austin and Joshua are going to be interior guys. They've known that from the get-go. I flat out asked Austin that yesterday, and they said inside. So that's – Josh might end up being a center. Um, Austin can do it too, but like seeing Josh play in person, but then also seeing him camp, um, some Josh Myers vibes. from, the, And that's not just because they have the same name and a similar-shaped head. It's because they kind of play alike. Similar-shaped head. Yes, are you you are now in the you are such a recruiting expert now you are now evaluating prospects based on is it more <clears throat> it's head shape or head size or both um shape first and then size shape first. i don't care about your actual talent i just want to know how your makeup is and that's how i'm going to decide when you are out looking at recruits what is the preferred shape of head and does it vary by position Ooh. i want my offensive linemen to have square heads mm. big square heads you know, because I want them to fill that helmet up. I want yeah. you to look intimidating in that helmet and that big old face mask. I want I want my quarterbacks to have small heads mm. and long necks. <laughs> yeah. Pete Warner should have been a Pete Warner should have been a quarterback. He should, he should uh, have been a quarterback, yeah. Small head. I could just see like if as an evaluate, you know, if you were out there putting uh rankings on kids, it's like hey, Stephen, what do you mm-hmm. think of that lineman? You're like, nah, I didn't like him. Why not? Oval head. Yeah, Oval head. Too small. Oval head. Um, depending how desperate we are for content while Nathan is out, we might do, we, we have the headshots. Ohio state has the headshots of all the players on the site. That's Steven, how we'll rank the players. <laughs> Steven means evaluating the head squareness of the Ohio state offensive line is on the table for a June story. It's on the table for a June story. All right. So we're thinking, and Luke Montgomery then is a tackle. He's, he is going, yes, they're going to start him out at tackle. Um, I'm not going to rule out the idea that at some point in his career, he ends up being an interior guy, but because, because he's the size of an interior guy, just, you know, I mean, we, but we've had the same conversation with Donovan Jackson. He might end up being their left tackle next season. Um, he's six, five two eighty right now. He might be closer to two ninety at this point. Cause I mean, he's putting on some weight, but, um, he's got, he's a really good athlete, which kind of makes up for that lack of size. That's why they're going to start him out at tackle. Um, for now though, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being an interior player by the end of his career here. Okay. Interesting. I mean, you look at some of the 2022 guys who are in going to be true freshmen this year, Tegra Shibola, probably a tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Hinsman's a center, right? Yep. Yep. George Fitzpatrick, probably a tackle to mm-hmm. start. We'll see, but that's good. So it's like, you got a couple tackles in the class ahead. Maybe Montgomery has a tackle, but you're filling in some of the interior offensive line guys. So you can see how this stuff fits. Who would we be on alert for again? If you think like 2023, well, Donovan Jackson will be a starter in 2023. Luke Whipler will be a starter in 2023. I don't I don't know even then exactly where you go. Then a lot of it is just projecting some of the guys we just talked about. Is Tegra Shavola yeah. going to be a starter? There are opportunities. There are opportunities. Who do you think maybe would be the most likely to get right in the mix for playing time as a true freshman of these three guys? Luke. Okay. Just because, uh, I mean, he's just got the talent to do it. And with him, it's more about Josh has to physically develop while also, you know, skill wise. I think Austin's a pretty big kid, but there's still some skill development that needs to happen there. It seems like with Luke, it's just more like, can he put the, if he shows up next January and he's 315, then he'll be the offensive lineman. We're going, Hey, can you start as a true freshman? And then he doesn't start as a true freshman. Cause that's how this always works. Right. 
Okay. And again, they might be in a world. They, they still might be in a portal situation yeah. for one of these offensive line spots in 2023. But this is big. This is big to have this third guy locked in. So after this break, we will come back and talk a little bit about the recent history of Ohio State in-state offensive line recruiting next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. You can try the text at 614-350-3315. We will tease you for the big Friday pod, crossover edition. Buckeye Talk and the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's going to be me and Stephen, and we are going to be joined by Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Ashley Bastock from our Cleveland Browns beat. And the five of us combined are going to draft the 30 best Ohio State players currently in the NFL. We are going to think about it as, hey, you're running a pretty good team for 2022, and all of a sudden, everybody who went to Ohio State is available in an expansion draft. And your team's decent, but you're trying to get better at every position. Who would you take? The five of us will each draft six players. We're going to draft those 30 players. By my count, not counting practice squad guys, the list I sent out to everyone, I think I had 69 Buckeyes on NFL rosters nice. right now. So 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 we will include – the reason we wanted to wait to do this is we want to see – part of the interesting thing is like where do Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and maybe Nicholas petit Frere slide into a conversation like this. But beyond that, we got a lot to talk about. And there'll be Denzel Ward as a Cleveland Brown, right? Marshawn mm-hmm. Lattimore, Michael Thomas, the Bosa brothers, Chase Young, Jerome Baker, Taylor Decker, Ezekiel Elliott. Justin Fields, right? We have a lot of interesting guys to try to put in context of each other. I am very much looking forward to that. So you'll find that both in the Buckeye Talk feed and the Orange and Brown Talk feed as the Friday podcast for both um, podcasts there as we do this crossover. Okay. I looked up, according to 247 Sports, the best players in Ohio in 2019, 20, 21, and 22. How many of them were offensive linemen? How many of those did Ohio State get? So let's start here, Stephen. 2019, Ohio State recruits four offensive linemen. One of them is from Ohio. They get Harry Miller, Enoch Mahi, and Dewan Jones from out of state. They get Ryan Jacoby from Ohio. According to the rankings by 247 Sports, Zeke Corral was the number three overall player in the state, the number one offensive mm-hmm. lineman. He went to Notre Dame. Noah Rumbler, number five overall player, number two offensive lineman. He went to Michigan. Jacoby was the number seven overall player, number three offensive lineman. He went to Ohio State. Then it was a drop down. The fourth best offensive lineman was ranked 20th in the state as an overall mm-hmm. player. Michigan, number 22 guy went to Michigan State. Number 26 guy went to Duke. So that was a situation there were there were only three offensive linemen among the 19 best players in Ohio, Stephen, but they only got one. And a guy went to Notre Dame and a guy went to Michigan. If you compared that to this group, that would right, that would kind yeah. of be like if Ohio State got one of Montgomery Padilla and Sarah Bell. Instead, they got three. So that 2019 class, that's that crossover class from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. They had a, a couple places. They just weren't ranked as high overall. They only got mm-hmm. three five stars in that class. We understand what happened in that class. But that's an example, Stephen, where there were a couple other really good players. Michigan was like really after Noah Rumler, I think, that year. That was like a big get for Michigan. But certainly at least three guys, I think, that were Ohio State quality. I don't remember the specific recruitments of all three, but Ohio State got one. In the end, right, if they were interested in all three, that's one out of three is probably not good enough for in-state offensive linemen. It's not, but 
maybe you can make it one out of two since, you know, Corral was the number three center in the country and Harry Miller was the number two center in the country. So that might have just been a situation where we chose the national product who's a five-star recruit over the in-state guy, which obviously, I mean, what's happening with Harry Miller now is what it is, but that guy started in year two. So he was on the right path. Yep. 2022 Ohio State, or excuse me, 2020. This is where Ohio State really goes in on some Midwest offensive linemen trying to fill in that position group. 2020, they recruit six offensive linemen. Three of them are from the state of Ohio. Paris Johnson, five-star off the top. He's the number one player in the state of Ohio. That's a big get for Ohio State. Uh, Luke Whipler is the only other offensive lineman ranked in the top among the top 400 players that Ohio State gets. He's from Jersey. In the state, they wind up with the number one, number four, and number nine in-state offensive lineman from that class. Paris Johnson is the number one overall player, number one offensive lineman. Jacob James is the number four offensive lineman, the number 28 overall player. And Trey LaRue is the number nine offensive lineman, the number 43 overall player. So there's a lot of guys in between, Stephen, when you're getting the number one, number four, and number nine offensive lineman. guy named Branson Taylor is the number two offensive lineman, number 12 overall player in the state. He goes to Pitt. Guy went to Louisville. Another guy went to Northwestern. So, I mean, it's not – they're not – it's not Bama coming in and getting these guys, but when you look, okay, we got three offensive linemen. Where were they? They were the number one, four, and nine offensive linemen by those rankings. Get Paris Johnson sort of wins that day. Can you imagine, again, not getting Paris Johnson? And Ryan Day had to re-recruit him after yeah. everything happened. So that would – you don't want to – Ohio State does not want to think about a world where they lose out on the Paris Johnson recruitment. But overall, like not spectacular in-state offensive line recruiting, I guess, right? I, I mean, maybe they just like Trey LaRue and, and Jacob James better than some guys, but they wound up with the number one, four, and nine in-state offensive linemen. Yeah. I, in the name of what we were talking about to start the pod and the idea that Oh, sometimes Ohio has it. Sometimes Ohio doesn't. Ohio State, Ohio could have really used like this to this that 2020 cycle to be an influx of talent from the offensive line. Because like Paris Johnson is the best offensive lineman in the country, and as you mentioned, Branson Taylor, Taylor he's five sixteen. It's yeah. like a big yeah. drop off between what Paris is and what everybody else in the state is, and so it's like. This time, and to bring it back to 2023, this time around, there's quality at a time where you absolutely need to have quality in your backyard. And there wasn't in this situation, but then also you just didn't do a good job of locking up some of these guys. So they they sort of had to, they had to fill the room. Yeah. And they wound up getting two Ohio kids, a Michigan kid and an Indiana kid who were all lower rated. And they had to fill the room and there just wasn't, it was not a great in-state offensive line class. 2021. They recruit three offensive linemen. One is from Ohio. Ben Christman is from Ohio. Donovan Jackson has Ohio roots, mm-hmm. but he's not from Ohio. And then they add Zed Machalski. That year, Ben Christman is the number one offensive line recruit in the state of Ohio. He's the number 124 overall player. The second highest ranked offensive lineman in the state of Ohio that year is the number 640 overall player. He yeah. goes to Pitt. Ohio State gets one in-state offensive lineman in 2021, but there was one in-state offensive lineman who was an Ohio State quality player. There was not anybody else for them to go get in-state. Yeah, which is, I mean, they went, so you go get Donovan Jackson, as you mentioned, with Ohio Roots, which helps. You go to Zen Michalski, who's right next door at Indiana. But as we know, the big miss here isn't the miss in Ohio. It's the miss 
from a kid who's from Wisconsin, who's down at IMG and is now a starting tackle at Alabama. JC Lane. And that's right. Yep. So, so that's one of those where this is, again, we're just trying to give a little context here. In 2021, Ohio State did not, a Greg Studrawa did not have the opportunity to do what Justin Fry just did because there weren't mm-hmm. three guys like this. 2022, I do think, feels like a different situation. And again, as we have discussions that end with, and that's why Ohio State made a change at offensive line. Four offensive linemen in the class of 2022, two in-state guys. The number one offensive lineman they get, and they get him early. Tegra Shabola was committed to Ohio State forever, right? That's a big get. Mm-hmm. He's the number one offensive lineman in the state of Ohio. He is the uh, number 104 overall player in the state of Ohio. That is a very big get for them. They get the number one and number six offensive lineman in the state. Avery Henry is the other in-state guy they get. He is the number 710 overall player in the country. And there are four other guys, the number two, three, four, and five offensive linemen in the state of Ohio that Ohio State does not get. Emil Wagner, second yeah. offensive lineman, number 112 overall player in the country. He's the number two offensive lineman in Ohio. He goes to Notre Dame. Would that have been a good guy for Ohio State to get? Yes, and they were the favorite for a while there, and then it kind of wavered, and then Kentucky kind of took the top spot, and then obviously Notre Dame ended up winning out there. They sh- that they this that was a battle they needed to win. So that was an opportunity. There was an opportunity in 2022. Blake Miller, the number three offensive lineman in the state of Ohio in 2022, the number 204 overall player in the country, he goes to Clemson. Was is is that a name? I, again, I'm coming here as you guys know. So Nathan's out for two months. So uh, usually Nathan and Steven do the recruiting pods here together, but like Nathan's not here. So I'm getting back up to speed on some of this stuff. I don't know what the Blake Miller recruitment was like. Was that something Ohio State was in on? Yes. Once again, started out as a leader. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, he's got some Ohio State ties and he would address it on const- constantly address it when people would ask him about it. I know, but I've got to make my decision for me. And then like a month after I talked to him about it, he's popping. He starts momentum to Clemson and ends up at Clemson. So, OK, but yes, another battle where it's like Ohio State offered and was in the lead. And then another school came and took him. So in the end. And then the 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 fourth guy in Ohio was ranked in the three sixties, went to Pitt, and then the fifth guy, fifth offensive lineman in Ohio was ranked in the seven hundreds and went to Rutgers. But there are at least three kind of pretty high tier Ohio State quality offensive linemen in the class of twenty twenty two. They get one, and then they wind up coming back around to get Avery Henry, who's the number seven ten overall player in the country. So when we look at this, Stephen, the previous four classes, two of them just didn't have three guys like this. Didn't have three offensive linemen in the state of Ohio, like Montgomery, Padilla, and Saraveld. Two of them did not have that. Two of them did. And in those two other classes, Ohio State went one for three with the in-state guys. Now, again, maybe Zeke Corral, they're okay because I got Harry Miller. But we're just talking about in-state offensive linemen. So part of it is sometimes there's not opportunity. But when there was some opportunity, Ohio State didn't necessarily go 100% cashing these guys in, which again leads us back to there was in-state opportunity here and Ohio State, they're not signed till December, has cashed in all three guys and we're in the first week in May. This is a big 
deal. That's what makes it off to a good start, even if from a rankings perspective, nationally, it's not the most eye-popping fireworks situation that makes you go, oh, Justin Fry is a home run. This was the plan. Get these three knocked down and then as early as possible, and then let's spend the rest of this time going after national guys. And he's done that. He's Right now, Justin Fry is doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And anybody that they're not in from a national perspective, like a Caden Proctor, they were already out on out of that race before Justin Fry got the job. So again, it's not, and it's not like last year's offensive line recruiting class for Ohio State. The guys coming in now, it, I thought it was terrible. Tegra Shabola is a really good player. Carson Hinsman was a top one fifty national player from Wisconsin. People thought he was mm-hmm. going to go to Wisconsin, right? That's an in-state. Wisconsin is offensive line capital of the world, and Ohio State goes into that state and pulls a guy out of there that might wind up being a starting center here. That's a good get. And there are some people who think George Fitzpatrick, the tackle from Colorado, he's ranked 261. They think he might be like an underrated athlete who might be kind of a hidden gem here. So it's not like – but the whole point of this, as as Stephen, you, you talk about this all the time, and we know the Ohio State plan by now. If there are Ohio State quality recruits in the state – Go get them early. Mm -hmm. Get them in. Have a few of them be leaders for the class, but preferably get them in and then have the commitment be rock solid enough that you can't ignore them, but you maybe don't have to spend a ton of time babysitting those verbal commits. So then you can go out and attack nationally. When you don't get the guys locked in locally early, then you've got to spend more time on them pursuing, 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 which limits the time you go out nationally. Or now you have more spots to fill somewhere and you're searching because either there weren't the guys here in the state or you didn't get them. So this is this seems like for this, would you guess, if you had to bet right now, does Justin Fry land a big time national offensive line recruit in this class? Would you guess yes or no? I'll say yes for now, but I'm not firm in that. I got to see who schedules some visits first, but I'll say yes. Because the because the, the structure is set up for it to happen. Yeah. Because Justin Fry has got these three guys. Those three guys are connected. Those three guys want to build an Ohio wall. Mm-hmm. And so now, okay, now Coach Fry, go get one more guy. Just like we all, just like when Josh Myers committed early and said, stud, yes. I'm good. Go get Wyatt Davis. That's how you make it happen. The opportunity for that to happen is here because Justin Fry is not does not going to have to be going around looking at the 11th best lineman in the state of Ohio to kind of reel him in late because they missed on some other guys. So this is a pretty good situation. And that's the thing. If you don't get them early, one thing I've noticed is they're probably not coming. You know, okay. Jackson Carmen, uh, uh, you just mentioned some other guy in these other class. Uh, if, they, if you don't get them early – they're probably not going to come because that that's where the, the coach speak of they got to want to be Buckeyes kind of comes into play a little bit because, I mean, you've been living in this. You, if you're from the States, you've been living under this Ohio state umbrella your entire life. You kind of know what the deal is. Now, if you're, if you're a, a lower rated kid who you're getting yeah, yeah. from an Iowa state, yeah, or something that's like, different. then you can get yeah. those guys. But if you're a top 200 kid, yes, you're kind of either, You've either got the blood, the Buckeye blood in you, and it's sort of like, I don't care who the coach is. I'm going to Ohio State. Or yes. Ohio State gets in there and makes that connection 
and then everything kind of pretty easily falls into place early. If it's like, yeah, if they're in November trying to tell the number 123 overall player in the country who's from Ohio, here's why you should go to Ohio State. It's like, yeah. real dude, what can we not, what do we not, what have we not told you by now? What what Literally. What is it that you don't understand? It's like, no, I get it. I just don't, I just want, don't want to come. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. Which again is exactly what they do to every kid from Georgia and Florida and Texas and California that they want to come here. They do the reverse of what they do when they recruit in state. Mm-hmm. So how how important do you think this offensive line class is? Given the stuff that we've just talked about, we're not going to pretend there aren't some highly rated, talented offensive linemen on this roster. Tegra Shabola is that. Carson Hinman is that. Ben Chrisman is that. Paris Johnson and Luke Whipler are that. Dewan Jones is a great developmental story that whatever happens with, you know, however you view Greg Stadrawa, Greg Stadrawa, they made that happen with Dewan Jones. And he has turned into, at the very least, a very good college player and an NFL prospect. There are some good young offensive linemen on this team, but not enough of them. So how big a deal was it? if When you were thinking about, okay, what are they got to do in 2023? Was offensive line near the top of the list? It's the number one thing on the list. Okay. Um, and to be specific, tackle is the absolute number one. And it's not just us saying it based off some recruiting rankings at this point. Ryan Day said it. He's not happy with the depth that's on this roster right now. And if he's not happy with the depth right now, what does that mean when you're going to lose some of these guys at the end of the 2022 season? Yeah. So it's not just us pulling this out of thin air. This is what the coaching staff is telling us as well. So this is a very important class from both a quality and quantity standpoint. So we'll be t- following this and talking about this, and you'll be writing about it, Stephen. But like mm-hmm. national tackle, that'll be very interesting. National tackle, Justin Fry, show us what you got. You have the time and energy to put into it. Go get a national tackle. When we come back, we will put this latest commitment just in the context of the 2023 Ohio State class. Reset where that group is next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Stephen, we are looking at an Ohio State class for 2023 that currently has 10 verbal commits, half from Ohio, half from out of state. As you have written and talked about extensively, a certainly uh, pretty large Florida flavor at yeah. this point. When you look at the 247 uh, overall team rankings so far, Notre Dame, again, Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, Al Washington, Tommy Rees, everything Notre Dame's doing, they're number one in the country. Notre Dame has one five star and 10 four stars. Texas Tech, which just for some reason is trying to finish its recruiting class <laughs> in the spring. They have yeah. 20 commits already. They're number two in the country, but it's just because they have double the amount of commits of everybody. Georgia is three. They have nine commits, uh, no five stars. Seven of them are four stars. Ohio State is fourth, no five stars, eight four stars, and two three stars. Penn State doing pretty well. They're fifth, Arkansas, Tennessee, and then Bama just often gets like a little bit of a later start than some other programs yeah. do here. 10 commits, number four in the country right now. How do you think the overall 2023 recruiting is going so far? It's decent. It's decent right now. I know some people want to throw out there right now, it looks like a Penn State recruiting class, but I mean, the average star rating is 91.97, which is actually third in the country behind Notre Dame and Georgia. So the quality is there. Um, It's just missing its five stars, which a lot of those guys will be camping this summer and taking official visits this summer. So they'll be coming. Um, but yeah, Ty Lockwood's alone all by himself, the tight end out of Tennessee. He's the only guy who's not from Ohio or Florida. And we got to give him some some company there. But it's it's a decent class right now. They're checking off 
needs in terms of positions. And now they need, they need to go put some – they've made a cupcake. Now they need to go get some icing. I like I like cupcakes. Now you are currently eating cupcakes or no? Um, I am not currently eating cupcakes, but I do like cupcakes. But I like the homemade icing. I don't like the icing that comes like already made on cupcakes. Yeah, it's just no. too sweet for me. And I do th- I, so, I I I a lot of cupcakes now. There's a lot of fancy cupcake stores now. Yeah. And every fancy cupcake store, there's too much icing. Yes. On the cupcake. I don't know. I don't want like as much icing as there is cake. Icing is to complement the cake. Too often the icing overwhelms the cake and then it makes it all of a sudden a, a cupcake that should cost a buck fifty costs seven dollars. Yeah. And it's five bucks worth of icing. And then I just take my finger and I just lop it off. I don't want that. I don't I don't it's true. I don't even know how people eat that. It's so the icing's so tall, it gets all over your face. It's I more like for it, the vibes than it is no, to it's actually for the eat. Instagram photo. Yeah, it's for the Instagram photo for sure. And I say that as a father who has driven his daughters around to too many dessert places to name <laughs> so they could take Instagram photos with dessert. There was a stretch. We're a little bit out of it now. There was a stretch a couple years ago where if we were on vacation, the number one thing that they wanted to do on vacation was go to some dessert place they found online to get the dessert and take an Instagram photo with it. And I said to myself, you know what? People enjoy vacations in a variety of ways. If this is what brings my children joy, then I guess we'll do it. But I think it's bonkers. What'd you do on you vacation? Know, oh, I took a picture of a cupcake. How'd it taste? Eh, not that great. Picture you know what's a cool, a cool vacation idea? No one's allowed to steal it. Well, I mean, our texters can steal it because they pay $3.99 for our thoughts. Yeah. Nobody else is allowed to steal it. You go on vacation with a group of people, and you give everybody five of those throwaway cameras that you have to get filmed. Like, film oh yeah and that's how yeah you, you just get rid of your phone for like a week and you're just on oh, vacation yeah and then you take pictures with the throwaway cameras and then you can make a collage or something afterward scrapbook that sounds great that yeah. on your next vacation do that on your yeah. next vacation do that and then come back and show us the photos i will and we'll do make a video on our youtube channel um all right so they're going pretty well uh is is there i know that they have a bunch of camps scheduled for june as always those yeah. camp dates are out. They're sprinkled throughout June. Guys will be in for that. Like, what's the next big thing, though, when we think about, oh, Ohio State recruiting? Is there a commitment date that is set sometime in the next couple of weeks for a guy that might commit to Ohio State? Is there somebody taking an unofficial visit? Or are we just kind of on hold a little bit until some of these guys start coming through for the June camps? Yeah, obviously, there's going to be – all June, there's going to be every weekend, there's going to be big official visitors. They don't necessarily have a name for it, like the Buckeye Bash or anything for them right now. But the one that's closest to being what that event usually is when you have the big group is the June 24th um, weekend, which is when Richard Young's supposed to be here. Luke Montgomery will take his official visit. Justice Haynes will take his official visit. That's the bigger group so far. But that's pretty typical. Ohio State likes to get all its official visits done in June because then they can put all their focus into that. Um Brandon Ennis, the number top receiver in the country, he'll be here on June 17th, which is interesting to me um, because Ohio State, along with the camps that they're typically doing, they're also having a seven-on-seven tournament mm. during that weekend as well. So I'm pretty sure that the South uh, Florida Express seven-on-seven team that Brandon Ennis plays for that was up here pursuing appreciation day will be participating in that seven-on-seven tournament, which is why his official visit is also that weekend. So that's interesting. But as far as like commitment watch, not really at this point. There's no, 
no, there's no date set. I think a person that we need to all be paying attention to though over the next month and a, month and a half or so, as far as in-state guys who might end up being the last guy they take from the in-state situation, at least for right now, given how things are planned to go. Arvell Reese from Glenville, the number 384 player, the number 33 linebacker in the class. Um, I wouldn't say he's on commitment watch, but he's on, hey, you should turn on his notifications and just keep paying attention to him because they're probably only going to take two linebackers, three if things get a little dicey. Okay. Here and I would say he's one of the two they take, and then the other one would maybe be, if I'm projecting, would probably be Tackett Curtis out of Louisiana. All right, that is your recruiting update for now. Go read uh, Stephen's coverage from Austin's commitment ceremony on Wednesday. You can find that at cleveland.com/osu. Try the text at 614-350-3315. and make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Come back. For that big Friday pod, we think it'll be a lot of fun, something different with the crossover episode. And I also would direct you to the College Football Survivor Show this week, where my co-host and I, Shahanjay Haraja, uh, we have been doing Mount Rushmore's, the four best players at different positions in the history of the college football playoff. A lot of them, we do two shows a week on the College Football Survivor Show. One is for Apple Podcast subscribers. It's a bonus episode. You pay $2.99 a month to get all the podcasts uh, for that, four podcasts a month. And then the other one's free for everybody. It's on every podcast platform possible and so all the previous mount rushmores we did running back receiver linebacker and defensive back they were on the paid shows this is a free one the free show this week is the quarterbacks the four best quarterbacks in the playoff if you didn't make the playoff you're not eligible and then it's sort of based on your performance in the playoff who are the four best quarterbacks of the eight-year college football playoff find that on the college football survivor show for now for steven means I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>